Did you guys see the Met Gala last night? Well, if you're like the majority of the American people, no, you did not. However, there is one part of the Met Gala that you've got to see. It's it's funny, but it's not funny. So we'll cover the funny part first. It's Congresswoman AOC. You know, she now demands, by the way, to be called Congresswoman. She said it's some kind of sexism or misogyny or something if we call her AOC, even though that's the nickname that she gave to herself. It's her own uh, handle on social media, AOC. Somehow now, if Republicans call her AOC versus Congresswoman, it's disrespectful. Um, obviously absurd, almost as absurd as the dress she wore. So this is the dress. I want to show a little video here, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna explain to you what you're seeing here. This is Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez um, at the Met Gala last night, wearing a dress with bright red writing on the back over the derriere that says "Tax the Rich." You can see her showing it off right here. My God, tax the rich. What a model, AOC. What up? I didn't know you model as well. Damn. Okay, first of all, is it just me or does this look like Chick-fil-A writing? I expected her to turn around and for it to say, eat more chicken. Um, it, it, it looks like a tacky wedding dress. Uh, it's very tacky, obviously, to have anything written on the derriere of an outfit. It is not, it is not um, good, I think. It does not show a sign of respect for oneself to have writing on your backside. Hey, Congresswoman, the one demanding respect here. Um, it's obviously ridiculous and we should laugh at it. Here's the thing, it costs $30,000. Yes, 30 grand. The median annual income for the American people, for the average American, that's how much it costs just to get into this event. $30,000 to get into this event. She wears a dress with tax the rich written on it. I mean, it's so hypocritical. It's so hypocritical. It's so ridiculous. She's also not wearing a mask, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that in New York, children going to school today had to wear masks, but these rich elitists, these Hollywood celebrities, and these leftist politicians went to the Met Gala without wearing a mask. So of course, there are rules for you, and then there are rules for people like Congresswoman AOC. And listen, we can make fun of this, and we should make fun of this because it deserves to be made fun of, but there's a more serious side to this. AOC doing what she did is actually an example of the left winning the culture war because AOC defended herself. It wasn't just Republicans and conservatives who mocked AOC, who pointed out her hypocrisy that she claims to championing, champion the working man and then goes to the Met Gala paying $30,000 for a ticket. No, people on the left and the right made fun of this, and, and rightly so, but she's winning the culture war because she admitted in her defense that Google searches for tax the rich and for the effed up tax code, as she called it, had soared. So she actually achieved her goal. She's bringing up her topic, her agenda in popular culture. Popular culture being a place outside of the beltway that you and I are interested in, outside of the political media entertainment sphere that you and I take part in, she was able to get her socialist poisonous ideology, yes, but to get that ideology, to get those talking points in front of people who might otherwise not see them, in front of young people. So AOC is playing to win. She doesn't care that she's a hypocrite. She doesn't care that she's made a fool of herself. She's getting her message to the people that she knows will actually act on it. Young people who are otherwise probably not even voters. I don't even want to call them low information voters. They're probably not even voters until they hear what AOC is saying. And then that's all they hear. So she's winning the culture war for one thing. The second thing is socialists 
are not actually about equality, right? They're not actually about fairness. They're not actually about taxing the rich, as AOC said. And you could, you could tell this last night if you looked at these videos, because all these rich Hollywood celebrities, um, all of these millionaires and billionaires, if they actually thought for one second that AOC would take 50% of their money, which is what, of course, she wants to do. She wants to take she wants to abolish billionaires and all of that nonsense. If these rich celebrities thought for one second that she would take 50% of their money, they would throw her out. They would throw her out on that rear end. But they didn't, did they? No, no. They smiled at her and welcomed her. They appeared to think it was quite a funny little gag because they know, just like you know, and like I know, that socialist policies don't hurt the liberal elite don't hurt the ruling class. Don't hurt the richest of the rich. Socialist policies hurt the middle class. They hurt the low income because taxing the rich is passed on. If a business owner, and that's oftentimes, oftentimes who the quote unquote wealthy are, if a business owner has to pay more in taxes, then he or she wants to make that up. And so they pass that on. They raise the cost of goods and services. If they're selling, they cut benefits, they cut hours, they cut jobs to save that money. And who's hurt when benefits and hours and jobs are cut? Who's hurt the most when consumer goods, the price of consumer goods goes up? Middle class people, low income folks in our country, you and me, we're the ones that are hurt, not these rich Hollywood celebrities that AOC is, pal is palling around with. And they know this, hence their reception of her. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. The testimony from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken today is so grotesque, so ignorant. It's 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 remarkable. I mean, I know there's a theory that you are promoted um, out of the way, essentially, that the most incompetent are the ones who achieve career-wise. And sometimes that is the case. It certainly is the case with Blinken, because I don't know how you can actually get to the point that he's at. One of the highest positions in our country while knowing absolutely nothing about what you're talking about. And we're going to talk about it in a second, but first... Let's talk about headspace. So all of this news, all of this politics, all of everything that we're talking about, the Marxist takeover of our country, it's stressful. And we need to get away and relax. We need to take care of ourselves or else it could become too much. So that's where headspace comes in. You've probably tried meditation before. Perhaps it didn't work, right? Well, join the club. Maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong. If mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app right on your phone. It's very easy. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Their approach to sleep, their approach reduces stress, improves sleep, boosts focus, and increases your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Liz. That's headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial with Axpace to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. You have to use my promo code, headspace.com slash Liz. You'll be glad you did. It'll reduce your stress. So Blinken appeared before the United States Senate today to defend Joe Biden's botched withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan. I mean, a job no one should want, a job that should have caused him to resign from the administration, to be honest. If I'm in the position that Blinken was in and Biden orders me to withdraw or orders me to do anything associated with, with this withdrawal, I resign immediately, refusing to be a part of something that not just could 
but actually concretely did cost Americans their lives and hundreds of Afghans their lives too. Of course, Blinken doesn't have the integrity to resign. And so he appeared before the Senate. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Blinken did not appear before the Senate. He appeared in remote testimony. I mean, come on. If that isn't the biggest cop-out that I've ever heard, it's a lot easier to dodge and bob and weave and avoid when you're not actually in the same room as those questioning you. Blinken did this on purpose, make no mistake. It's not because he was afraid of COVID. It's not because the Senate isn't holding in-person testimony. This was a strategic move from the Biden administration. They are so slimy, so smarmy. Every little action that they take is politically charged, and this is certainly not excluded. So going back to what I said before, Blinken, it's shocking how ignorant he is of what he should know, but he has missed two fundamental, critical, underlying points, the very premise of our presence, the United States presence in Afghanistan. Blinken has missed two major points here. So when he talked about requiring, staying in Afghanistan, he said would have required a standing force uh, for the foreseeable future. Yes. So? So what? First of all, he should have been more clear, where the senator should have been more clear by saying, well, how many? What kind of standing force? We're not talking about an endless war. A standing force doesn't mean constant conflict. A bipartisan study group in the United States Congress said it could be anywhere between 25 and 4,500 um, U.S. service members stationed in Afghanistan just to keep the Taliban and other terror groups at bay. That's not exactly an endless war. It would have been similar to, you know, Korea, Japan, Germany, Italy, or any of the number any of the dozens of places U.S. forces reside around the world where we previously had conflict. They reside there in order to prevent conflict from erupting again. So defending Biden's botched withdrawal by saying, well, it would have required a standing force, that's a big, huge, so what? My goodness, so what? But that was, Biden, that was Blinken's best defense. And then his second best defense is, he said, it, it doesn't matter how long the U.S. stayed there. Even if we stayed there indefinitely, it won't ever be enough time to adequately train the Afghans to defend themselves. And I would respond to this in the same way as the previous question. So what? That wasn't the point of the United States going to Afghanistan. It was a happy secondary consequence, perhaps, of us being in Afghanistan to save the Afghan people from terrorism, from oppressive Sharia law. But that wasn't the point of us going in there and getting involved. The point of the U.S. going into Afghanistan was to stop terrorism because al-Qaeda had found safe haven under the Taliban in Afghanistan, and al-Qaeda had used that safe haven to plot a terror attack that killed 3,000 people in the United States of America on U.S. soil. The point of the U.S. presence in Afghanistan was to make sure that not only was al-Qaeda eradicated, but that the Taliban was eradicated. So this radical Islamist ideology, these jihadis could not plot and wage terror against the United States again. That was the point of being in Afghanistan. So it doesn't matter if the Afghans could never be adequately trained. That's not why we went there. We went there to protect ourselves, not to empower other people who don't have the same interests as we do to protect us with their own lives. That actually doesn't even make a lot of sense. But the fact that Anthony Blinken is at this level in the United States government, he's a cabinet secretary, and he doesn't know these two basic principles about why we were in Afghanistan or what it would mean to stay there, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. There's also, by the way, and we've talked about this, there's disagreement even among conservatives about whether we should stay in Afghanistan at all or whether we should completely leave. 
uh, you know where I stand on this. I think that we should have a small standing force, not an endless war, a small standing force so that we don't have to go back into Afghanistan when these jihadis inevitably um, come into this power vacuum that we've left, take hold that Russia and China and Iran bolster them, making it harder for the U.S. to go back in and get rid of them when, like I said, inevitably they take hold again. So that, that's one side of the equation. The other side is there are people even in the conservative movement in the Republican Party who think Americans should completely leave Afghanistan. The difference between that viewpoint and what the Biden administration did is how. How do you leave? How are you going to do it? Are you going to leave Americans behind? Are you going to cave to the Taliban, legitimize the Taliban, lie to the American people, abandon our allies? So even, even conservatives who think that America, the United States, should leave Afghanistan completely, leaving no residual force, have a problem with how you did it. And yet Blinken himself can't admit that the Biden administration did anything wrong. We have 13 U.S. service members who were killed by terror attacks, and he can't admit that anything was wrong, that they botched anything, that logistically this was done poorly. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Biden administration. They are dangerous. And there was one phrase that Blinken kept repeating that continued to strike me with how weak the Biden administration's leadership is. Blinken continued to use the phrase international community. The standards of the international community. We want to coordinate with the international community. The international community has made it clear, et cetera, et cetera. With all due respect to the rest of the world, who gives a rat's tail what the international community thinks when the United States has a primary responsibility? The president of the United States and his administration has a primary responsibility to protect the American people. Who cares what the international community thinks? We are America's superpower. We should we can and we do invite anybody who wants to ally with us because allies are important. But if some, we, we don't ask permission from other countries who are weaker than us on how to defend ourselves, how to prevent our homeland from getting attacked again. Yet this deference to the international community from the Biden administration and officials like Blinken in his administration is so very, very weak. So weak. Can you imagine not, not to make the comparison here all the time, but can you imagine President Trump checking with the international community to see if we were going to legitimize and accept the government of Afghanistan being the Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan, I should say. It's laughable. It's embarrassing. Completely embarrassing. And yet, this is Blinken. This is the Biden administration. So anybody who was worried about global affairs, of whether Trump was a danger, this is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is everything that the left claimed that Trump would be and Trump was not, but Biden is, and these same leftists are now silent. But that's nothing until you hear. This is so nuts. This is so nuts. I had to reread this article from the Washington Post about 10 times before I believed what my eyes were seeing. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. This is just so nuts. It is a one of those stories that will knock your socks off. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Truebill. Do you know why free trials for subscription services renew on your credit card bill or from your bank account without your consent? It's a business scam. Yes. Here's my message for you today. Don't let these greedy corporations that do this pocket your money because there's a solution. The solution is easy, and it's called Truebill. Truebill is a new app on your phone that helps you identify 
and then stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, you don't want, or if you're like me, you simply forgot about and see recurring on your credit card bill every single month. Very frustrating when that happens. On average, by the way, people who use Truebill save up to $720 a year. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple to do. You just link your accounts. That's all there is to it. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. Yes. I'm not exaggerating, it's one button. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them. If you don't want to cancel your unwanted subscriptions, they can do it for you. So download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. They have over 2 million users. They've helped their users save $100 million. I mean, it's really, really an incredible thing. So start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Liz. Go right now, Truebill.com slash Liz. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash Liz. Okay, if you have not seen the article from the Washington Post on President Trump and General Milley, he is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, basically the highest ranking military officer, then I highly encourage you to go read this article. But stick with me for a moment because I'm going to read some of it out loud because it is absolutely shocking. This article from the Washington Post is profiling a, an upcoming book called Peril. This book was written by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. And in this book, Peril, the authors make the allegation, make the allegation that General Milley essentially committed treason. I don't even want to caveat that. They make the allegation that General Milley committed treason. Now, this is not the focus of the Washington Post's profile of this book. The focus, the Washington Post, shame on them, is trying to make this about President Trump and not about the actions of Milley. But wait until you hear this, and I think it will be very clear to you, as it was to me, who is uh, the villain in this story. Thus reads the article, and I quote, the first call, the first call from Mark Milley to China. That's right, that's the premise of this piece, that General Milley warned China about President Trump while Trump was in office. Two times this article alleges that Milley called China to warn them about Trump. This is the article. The first call was prompted by Milley's review of intelligence, suggesting that Chinese believed the United States was preparing to attack. That belief, the authors of the book write, was based on tensions over military exercises in the South China Sea and deepened by Trump's belligerent rhetoric towards China. This is a quote then from Milley. General Lee, General Lee is Milley's counterpart in China. He's the head of the uh, People's Liberation Army, the Chinese communist uh, military. General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay, Milley told him. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. So first of all, first of all, wildly inappropriate, wildly inappropriate and dangerous for a U.S. military general to call his counterpart in a Chinese communist country without the permission, without the knowledge of the commander-in-chief of the U.S. armed forces, that would be the president of the United States, at this time, it was President Trump, and tell a hostile foreign nation that we are not going to conduct any kind of kinetic operations against you. The audacity, the audacity of this man. So the Washington Post continues, in the book's account, Milley went so far as to pledge he would alert his counterpart in the event of a U.S. attack, stressing the rapport that they'd established through a back channel. Quote, General Lee, you and I have known each other for now for five years. If we're going to attack I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. End quote. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. 
Those are the words of a spy. Those are the words of a traitor. I don't say those words lightly. Textbook definition, black and white. That is treasonous behavior. When one military officer in the United States of America calls a hostile adversary and says, I will tip you off if the United States is going to conduct an attack against you, again, without the permission of the commander-in-chief, without this being part of a plot, I mean, there's no other word for this. This is treason. General Milley has committed treason. This is why I had to read this article five or 10 times because I could not believe what I was reading. I could not believe I was reading. And I I know the authors of this book have published questionable, questionable reports in the past. And as we should, we should do our due diligence and make sure this is true. But there are already reports that there are other officers who were in the room at the time that this call was made who are willing to testify against Milley. The Washington Post continues by saying, believing that China would lash out if it felt at risk from an unpredictable and vengeful American president, Milley took action. The same day, he called the admiral overseeing the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command, the military unit responsible for Asia and the Pacific region, and recommended postponing the military exercises, according to the book. The admiral complied. But get this. This, this is shocking. The Washington Post says, Milley also summoned senior officers to review the procedures for launching nuclear weapons saying the president alone could give the order, but crucially, that he, Milley, also had to be involved. Looking each in the eye, Milley asked the officers to affirm that they had understood, the authors write, in what he considered a, quote, oath. The chairman knew that he was pulling a Schlesinger, the authors write, resorting to measures resembling the ones taken in August of 1974 by James R. Schlesinger, the Secretary of Defense at the time. Schlesinger told military officials to check with him and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs before carrying out orders from President Richard M. Nixon, who was facing impeachment at the time. So let's be very clear about what this is. What we just read. What happened. These actions from Milley. If Milley brought in senior military officers, surrounded himself with the top brass in the United States military and told them, in the event of an order from the commander-in-chief of the U.S. military to launch nuclear weapons, to put into action, to activate the nuclear codes, that they were not to follow that order, but that they were to subvert that, break away from the chain of command, and make sure it was okay with him, with Milley, before they followed that order? I mean, people, that's a coup. That's an actual coup. I I hate to use that word because we've spent the last eight months hearing that a bunch of basement dwellers who broke glass at the Capitol, and that was wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It was wrong. But that, we were told that that was a coup. And yet this, an actual report of a literal coup subverting the president, the duly elected president of the United States in a military action, and instead the military taking over and the military taking, making those decisions, that is an actual coup. If you are as shocked by this as I am, then perhaps you won't be shocked when you realize that the Washington Post in presenting this article completely ignored these three things, ignored the fact that Milley acted as a traitor, he probably, arguably, legally committed treason when he warned China that he would call in advance of a strike carried out by the U.S. 
he's a coward. Milley's a coward because he appears so afraid of how China would respond to Trump's words because Trump wasn't letting China push us around like, like Barack Obama and Joe Biden had for the eight years prior to that. And then that Milley was actually organizing a coup, making military leaders take an oath of loyalty to him and subvert the commander-in-chief of the United States military if Trump were to activate the nuclear codes. But the Washington Post, no, no, the Washington Post makes it about Trump. Trump inspired this. Trump deserves it. A coup, I guess. I guess a coup is okay if it's Trump. If it's orange man bad, then what can you expect? These are, this is a righteous coup. He's just plotting a righteous coup because who can listen to a big orange Cheeto? This is the Washington Post. This is the left. This is how corrupt the leadership of the U.S. military has become. I mean, we, we've talked about wokeness pervading the military. We've talked about Marxism infiltrating every rank. This might be worse because these are military leaders who don't respect the chain of command, who think that they can operate outside of our constitutional republic. And what I mean by that is we, the American people, are responsible for who the president of the United States is. We cast our vote. Electors, based on who we choose in each state, cast their vote for president of the United States. That's why it's a duly elected president. It's not a king. It's not an appointment. It's not a succession. It's an elected president. Therefore, when the leader, when military brass, when the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff organizes a coup to subvert the commander-in-chief, that military leader is subverting you, subverting me, taking away our power, our decision about who is in the Oval Office running the executive branch. If that doesn't terrify us, I do not know what, it, what will. This, this, is, this is beyond belief in a sense, except that we've been told by the media and by the left for so many years now that Trump is a danger, Trump is a traitor, Trump is divisive. But look at the Biden administration. Look at what happens from these leftists. Trump is divisive, and yet listen to what Biden said about the unvaxxed treating us like pathogens, not people. Trump is a threat to democracy. What about voter fraud? What about vaccine mandates? Trump is a danger, a traitor, buddies up to our enemies. What about Biden letting the terrorists in Iran loose, giving Afghanistan back to the Taliban? These leftists like Milley, not, I mean, Biden is soft on China, don't get me wrong. He certainly is soft on China. But Milley actually saying that he'd notify China and that he'd subvert the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States, and Biden doesn't immediately call for his resignation? Yeah, now Biden's complicit in this. Because even though it happened under Trump, if there was a report like this, Milley should immediately resign, if not be prosecuted. An investigation is beyond warranted, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. But Trump was the danger, we were told. Trump was the traitor. I don't think so. Everything the left warned us about, about Trump, is now happening right before our eyes under the Joe Biden administration. And the Washington Post publishes it, but they don't publish it right or honestly. They publish it just in an attempt to attack Trump, probably because of the rumblings that Trump is going to run again in 2024. They're trying to preemptively attack him before he announces, making something that's not about him 
about him because that's what the media spent the last five years now doing. The, the, uh, the other part of the Biden administration that cannot be ignored, that cannot be left unsaid, is Biden's six-prong approach to COVID is, is not about the science. You, you and I both know that. We're, we're smart people. We're critically thinking individuals. We are active participants in our self-government. Uh, we know that the science is being ignored here because Unfortunately, I can't show you this part of the show or the big tech overlords might delete this video and my channel. As you know, YouTube won't let me tell you the truth about COVID-19 or transgenderism and other important issues, even when I cite the specific studies. So if you want to watch the full uncensored version of this video, join me over on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. But even the FDA's own people know that what the Biden administration is doing with vaccinations vaccinations is unethical. Two top FDA vaccine regulators quit, Dr. Marion Gruber and Dr. Philip Krauss. They are leaving in the next two months because they're upset about the Biden administration announcing, contra to the science, that people should get COVID boosters eight months after they received their first vaccines. These top FDA vaccine regulators co-authored a piece in The Lancet, a highly respected medical journal. They collaborated with 16 other health experts against the Biden administration telling adults to get booster shots. They said it lacked any solid foundation in science. They said it was driven by politics. This is the quote from their Lancet piece. Careful and public scrutiny of the evolving data will be needed to assure that decisions about boosting are informed by reliable science more than by politics. Widespread boosting, they said, should be undertaken only if there is clear evidence that it is appropriate. These FDA regulators in Joe Biden's own administration clearly believed the science was contrary to this and they did the thing of integrity. They quit rather than being part of this political charade. Good on them. We need courageous people who are willing to answer the questions and we need to be the courageous people that ask them. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, but the great and powerful Jay Hay is cutting me off. He says we are out of time for today. We will be back tomorrow. Never fear. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a glowing review, a five-star rating. Um, In the meantime, before we are back, think for yourself, use critical thought, question, authority, question, question, question. Follow the facts. And don't let government or corporate wokeism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.